0: This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. That is Proverbs 24, 1 through 4. Something to keep in mind when we get to the latter half of the podcast today. But guys, before we get into anything today, just want to remind you to leave a positive five-star rating and a review. Guys, we've been getting a lot of ratings and reviews lately. So if you've listened to this show for any length of time, if you like what we're doing, if you think we deserve five stars, make sure you give us that, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also, just a reminder, we are mainly a donation-driven company. We're mainly a donation-driven thing right now. So if you like what we're doing, if you support the content that we do, you want us to make more content. If you want to help fund some of the amazing stuff we have coming up for 2023, we do have a donation page on our website, undaunted.life backslash donate. We've had a lot of guys hop on even in the last few weeks to become monthly donors. You know, everything from the small as 10 bucks a month to dudes all the way up to 500 bucks a month and more. There are guys that are supporting what we do. So if you like us as content creators, make sure you do that. And this will be the last time that I'll be announcing this because I'm going to be out of the studio for a little bit because we've got a lot of interviews I'm going to be releasing over the next couple of weeks. But I do have a live speaking engagement that is free to the public. That is on September the 18th. That is a Sunday at 6 p.m. at Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. So Sunday, September the 18th at 6 p.m. at Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. It is called Defeating Pro-Abortion Arguments. There is a link in the show notes to where you can go and sign up for childcare because if you want to bring your kiddos, we're totally cool with that. I will tell you this uh, presentation. It's appropriate for mature middle school and up so if you have a middle schooler that's maybe fairly emotional, this is a heavy subject and all those types of things, it might be a little bit upsetting, but if you have a mature middle schooler all the way up through high school and into adulthood, it is appropriate for all those ages. Uh, It it really is going to be a a fun time of learning. This is not a big condemnation speech and it's not just, hey, you know, an hour of me saying abortion is bad. I think you get the point, but it's going to be exactly what is the culture saying when they're making arguments against pro-life people and how you can defeat those arguments. And again, guys, before we get done with this little rundown, I wanted to make sure that you remember that we are now ambassadors with origin and with jocko fuel so guys if you're in the market for geese rash guards boots jeans i actually just got some new boots from origin over the weekend so i got the slate so they were the coronado slate boot with the christy natural sole Dude, These things are gorgeous. I only feel ashamed that I didn't actually bring them up here to the studio with me because I'd show them to you. Otherwise you can go check them out on their website, but also on the Jocko fuel side, you've got greens, you've got creole oil, you got vitamin D, you got the, the go energy drinks. You've got a bunch of other supplements. you got the protein, the milk and all that stuff there. Guys, if you want to go and check that stuff out, go to originmain.com and use the promo code Kyle. That's my first name. K Y L E to get 10% off your order. I know a lot of you guys have already done that over the last several weeks, but make sure you keep using that originmain.com Kyle for 10% off. So here's the thing about today's podcast is I'm going to be doing quick hitters first and shout out to my boy, Paul. He's one of our black belts from the forge. He sent me a text randomly. He's like, dude, I love the quick hitters. Well, you're going to love this. Cause you're not going to have to wait for them, Paul. Cause I'm doing them right from the beginning. And the reason why I'm doing them from the beginning is because Joe Biden ruined my week last week. Okay. But I'm not going to let him ruin my day. I'm not going to let him ruin this. I'm recording this on Labor Day while you guys are getting the day off. I'm up here working hard. So why is it that Joe Biden ruined my week? Okay. Was it because I was reminded of his incompetence while filling up my truck with gas? No. Was it because of the hundreds of thousands of people and fentanyl pills that have just waltzed right across our wide open southern border this year so far? No, not because of that. Was it because he pooped his pants in front of another world leader like he did at the Vatican? No, wasn't even for that. It was because I was going to avoid talking about politics this week. I was going to avoid it entirely, but now he's making me, he's making me do it. Because of the stuff that he had to get up in front of all the entire country and say last week, I wanted to spend the majority of today's show on something else entirely, but no, Captain Unity had to deliver one of the most disturbing speeches, if not the most disturbing speech in U.S. presidential history, and so I'm going to end up having to talk about that. But in order for me to keep my sanity today and to keep my blood pressure low until I get to that point, I'm going to do quick hitters first. So I've got a few more than normal because again, I'll be out of the studio for a little bit. So there's been a couple that I've been saving up and then I'm going to be spending the last part of the podcast, diving deep into the speech that co-president Biden delivered last week. Guys, you're going to want to make sure you stick around for that because... I saw, like, like with most things, I try to wait a little bit to see what people are going to say. I want to kind of like chew on the content a little bit, maybe even pray about it to see what sh- should I bring to you guys. But I'm going to be covering some things about Joe Biden's speech that I have not heard said in you know conservative uh, podcast world or on Twitter or on your favorite news station. So I think there's going to be some unique analysis for you. But in the quick hitter segment, we're going to discuss the following. Vody Bachum. Maybe my favorite living pastor destroying woke biblical arguments surrounding homosexuality in about thirty seconds, AI technology. Here we go. AI technology now being able to draw pictures. Maybe they can record my show for me if I keep screwing up like this. Also, the fallout from the Dobbs decision pushing abortion supporters towards the Democratic Party for the midterm elections. Google search results prioritizing abortion facilities over crisis pregnancy centers. The sharp increase in sterilization of women and men seeking to get vasectomies. A new study showing that the much maligned ivermectin reduces COVID death risk by ninety-two percent. And Two men going on a stabbing spree that left 10 people dead and another 15 injured in Saskatchewan, Canada over the weekend. But before we get to any of that, I do want to remind you guys of our favorite sponsor that we have so far of our show because we love these guys so much. That is KC Cattle Company. They are a meat delivery subscription service. I know you guys have heard of some of the other ones, but there is only one in existence. That is U.S. military veteran owned, U.S. military veteran operated, and all of their beef, chicken, and pork products are produced here in the United States. And that one and only company is Casey Cattle Company. They specialize in Wagyu beef. I've talked about Wagyu beef on the show the last uh, several weeks, but you get way, way, way more marbling. That, that's how this breed of cattle is. You get way more of the good stuff that makes that cut of beef even better. So, guys, they sell everything from the Wagyu steaks, Wagyu roast. I literally have my Wagyu roast. It's like a five-pound roast, defrosting right now because I'm going to make sure that I make that to. And I'm pretty simple with my roast, by the way. I know some of you guys get real fancy, but with my roast, I just put it in there. I only do carrots and potatoes. Keep your celery out of my roast. Keep your onions out of my roast. Onions are the worst thing ever invented ever. And then I throw some packets of gravy and some ranch and some different things in there. And I just kind of let it ride. But guys, they do the roast. They've got pasture-raised chicken. they got pasture-raised Berkshire pork. they got Wagyu bacon cheeseburger bratwurst. They've got other bratwursts that I'm going to be defrosting and making along with those because I basically make bratwurst with everything. They've got their Wagyu gourmet hot dog, which is basically like a tube steak. Guys, you've got to try their products, so go to kccattlecompany.com. It'll be in the show notes, kccattlecompany.com. Use the promo code KYLE, again, just my first name, for 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is just my first name, KYLE, K-Y-L-E, for 15% off of your order at KC Cattle Company. Dot com, So let's go ahead and get into the first quick hitter here. So vody Bakum destroying woke biblical arguments surrounding homosexuality in about 30 seconds. So I've talked about vody Bakham on the show before. Yes, guys, I've been trying to get him on the show for a very, very long time. He's one of the hardest people on planet Earth to get a hold of. But don't worry, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to keep kind of working at it. But he is just he's got such well, first of all, he, he's very pleasant to listen to. He's got a very good voice. He's got a very good cadence. He has just enough, you know, sarcasm and, and hints of funny. He gets emotional at times, which I can appreciate. And so, uh, all of my social media algorithms also know how much I love Odie Bacham. They know how much I love his books. They hear me talking about him because these things are constantly listening to you. Not only whenever you say, Hey Siri, but any of those things, it's constantly listening to you, but as I'm scrolling through TikTok to find some stuff to, you know, post for you guys, some stuff uh, that I can, you know, put out there for you, I saw a clip of Vody speaking, and it was from at Living God's Truth on TikTok, and I also found the full sermon of this, so both of those are going to be in the show notes. But it was just astonishing how quickly Vodi was speaking. That was the very first thing I noticed about this particular thing is how quickly Vodi was speaking because he's he's usually a little bit deliberate. He's not like super fired up, but it was almost like he needed to get all these things out of his mouth all at once. But then he literally destroyed all of the the main arguments that woke Christians give for homosexuality. And he did it in under 30 seconds. So I'm gonna go ahead and play the clip for you here, and then we'll get back in for the analysis. First of all, you're wrong because he did address it in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. Second of all, Jesus is a member of the Godhead. You can't separate the Father from the Son of the Spirit. Thirdly, the Bible's one story, not many. You can't separate the teaching of Jesus from the teaching of his apostles. And finally, if you take that line of argumentation, you would have to eventually be
1: okay with pedophilia because Jesus never said anything about that. So can we dispense with that?
0: So if you guys are just listening to this, you should go and check out the clip that I leave for you or go to our YouTube. make Make sure you subscribe if you're over on our YouTube or on our Rumble. But at the end of that clip, he literally takes his hands and he wipes his hands clean of this, right? So this is an entire sermon that he delivered on the subject of homosexuality. And he, of course, talked about other things, but he dispensed with all of those arguments. With a rapidity that like i've never really seen with a guy like him so the four arguments that he deals with is that jesus did uh, like you know people would say that jesus didn't address homosexuality um and then he also talks about jesus as a member of the godhead and you can't separate the father son and holy spirit the bible is one story not many and if you take that line of argumentation you know like jesus didn't talk about homosexuality then you have to eventually fully support pedophilia because jesus never addressed that so let's go back to the first one and that the the real thing here is that jesus did address homosexuality, okay? So this is one thing that I hear often. So when I hear anyone, whether they're non-Christians or on the woke Christian side of things, they'll say, well, if you read through the Gospels, if you read through the red letters, the words homosexuality or homosexual or gay or lesbian or anything like that were never spoken by Jesus. So they don't think that Jesus ever addressed the subject matter famously carl Lentz, formerly of uh hillsong new york fame i don't really know what carl Lentz is up to now since he's not a pastor anymore um for those of you that don't know he cheated on his wife and hit it and used some church funds to kind of pay for some different things so you know good riddance to him as far as i'm concerned but that guy Would I think it was either on The View or an interview that he was doing with Katie Couric, he said, you know, Jesus didn't address homosexuality, so I'm not going to address it from the pulpit, which is deeply, deeply wrong if you even have a modicum of understanding of theology and how language works. So um, in this particular clip, Vodi Bachman was referring to Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. This is what he's referring to. So Matthew 5, verses 31 through 32. These are the words of Jesus. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Then we go to Matthew 19, verses 8 and 9. This is Jesus again. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Okay, so this is from the Apologetics Press because it breaks down what is being said when Jesus says sexual immorality, because, again, Jesus spoke Aramaic and the scriptures are written down in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and those types of things. But this is from Apologetics Press. In order to understand what Jesus was saying, we must go back to the original language and identify what the word meant in the first century. The word translated sexual immorality in this verse is the Greek word pornea or pornea, The respected Greek lexicon of Arndt, Gingrich, and Danker states that the word refers to prostitution, unchastity, fornication, and every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse. In their primary definition, they mention that it refers to the sexual unfaithfulness of a married woman. The NIV Theological Dictionary of New Testament Words has an extensive section on pornea and related words. This word group describes various extramarital sexual modes of behavior insofar as they deviate from accepted social and religious norms. This would include homosexuality, promiscuity, pedophilia, and especially prostitution. This dictionary further notes uh, it's talking about the rabbinical Judaism dictionary frowned on any kind of prostitution of extramarital sexual intercourse, incest, and all kinds of unnatural sex intercourse or sexual intercourse were viewed as pornea so obviously uh, this is something that is very, very important when you're thinking through this that Jesus did refer to homosexuality, but the Greek language that most of this is written down in. They could use way fewer words that we as modern Americans have to use way more words to basically describe what we were talking about. So if you go back to the time of Bill Shakespeare oh William Shakespeare, you've heard a lot of your English teachers talk about how he significantly expanded the English language. Well, What that means today is you have to use way more words to express the same thing that somebody would have been able to understand hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And so in the first century, 2000 years ago, whenever he used the word pornea or whenever it was written down as pornea, everybody in the, in the area that heard him say that, or that were verbally told it later, or that read it later would know what he was talking about talking about prostitution, talking about sex outside of marriage, talking about homosexuality, talking about pedophilia, talking about incest, talking about all these other things. So this idea that Jesus never referred to homosexuality is bunk. It's nonsense. The second thing is that Jesus is a member of the Godhead. This is Votie again talking about this. Jesus is a member of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot separate the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. And I think that this is very important for people to realize that there aren't things that the Spirit does that is not known to the Father or the Son or any of those other ways that you can describe that. They are all, they are, you know, all in one essentially. So it's God in three persons, but in one entity. Okay. So to separate Jesus off and say, well, Jesus didn't talk about this as if that means anything, as, as if that means he can be extrapolated out of the Godhead doesn't really make a lot of sense. The third argument that Vody makes is that the Bible is one story, not many. I will say, I obviously knew that I knew that intellectually, but this was a good reminder that when you're reading the gospels, and if you're reading, you know, uh, one of the letters of Paul or if you're reading revelation or if you're reading a psalm or if you're reading lamentations or you're reading any of the uh, the other prophets or the, anything like that the bible is one story it tells one main story now there might be stories that don't jive with you but there's a reason why those stories are in the bible they're to tell you something about god or about the godhead father son and holy spirit so to be able to take things out of context completely and say oh well jesus didn't talk about that it's not really going to help you with your argument And again, the last argument he makes here, again, all in under 30 seconds, is if you take that line of argumentation that Jesus never talks about homosexuality, then you have to eventually fully support pedophilia because Jesus never said anything about that. And so that's where these people get really squirrely and really kind of like, oh no, like what's happening here? Because Jesus didn't refer to a lot of things. We don't have his writings about everything that you could possibly talk about or debate about right there in scripture. Okay, We, we certainly don't have that. And so... I don't think people really want to go down that road because people start talking about, oh, it's slippery slope fallacy, but it's like, that's where these things always go. If Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality and you actually believe that and you co-sign that, what's the next thing they're going to bring up saying it's moral? And they're going to be like, well, Jesus didn't talk about it, so I guess it's okay. Okay, so my big takeaway here, I actually have two big takeaways here for this voty clip. The first is that if you read the Bible out of context, expect for your understanding of what it says to be inaccurate. And the second is kind of like it. If you read the Bible without regard for what the words meant when they were written, expect for your understanding of what it says to be inaccurate, because we get this chronological snobbery. That's what C.S. Lewis called it to where it's like, oh, well, we're we're here in 2021. In like things. Is that the year it is? 2022. Boom. Sorry. It happens. But <clears throat> we're here. We're here 2000 years after Jesus died. We certainly know things. Uh, we're better at things now. We have a deeper level of intellect and knowledge. We have supercomputers in our pocket. And at any moment, we can basically know anything that anybody would want to know. But that doesn't mean you fully understand what the words mean when you're reading them in English, which is not an excuse to not read the Bible because you're like, oh, I'm never going to understand it. Obviously, you get points for trying. That goes back to a Pirates of the Caribbean joke. So we got all kinds of jokes today. But whenever you go back into the scripture, especially when there's a sticky point about that scripture, It helps if you can have a theological, uh, uh, not Bible, but dictionary of terms, if you can have people that can help you with the words, because most of us don't know what people writing or talking or thinking in the first century meant by the words that were said. We've got a lot of great breakdowns of the Bible, a lot of great translations. ESV is fantastic. New American Standard Version is fantastic. You know, you can go back to the King James or the New King James. These give you a really, really good idea of what was meant during those times. But again, it's always good to go back to get the most accurate view. So you're not putting anything out there that is nonsense, like what Carl Lentz used to do when he said Jesus never talked about homosexuality. All right, next quick hitter here, AI technology now being able to draw pictures. Okay. So about two weeks ago, my wife mentioned just in passing, she's like, Hey, you know, there's like AI art now. And I was like, artificial intelligence art. Okay. Like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, you can just like plug words into like this computer thing. And it'll like spit out an image based on the words that you you put in there. And then almost immediately, I uh, was going through TikTok and I saw these videos because, of course, my phone's always listening to me. And it was uh, New Testament artwork. So it was this guy, and he doesn't do it anymore. So I'd love to be able to tag him, but he doesn't do it anymore. But he would basically take sections of scripture. So, like Revelation 1 1. I think I posted one of these on our Instagram a week or two ago. And it makes these images, and the AI, the artificial intelligence, will basically glom onto certain parts of the the words and then you can like elevate certain parts of it to bring more of this type of art in or whatever i i by no means understand it uh, there's a, a program called Midjourney, and you put it into something called discord i don't understand how either one of those things work but basically it's where artificial intelligence is making uh, artwork for you i even saw uh this morning when i was scrolling through twitter that there was an ai that won an art contest and all the real artists were like furious because they're like what this person didn't even do anything they just plugged stuff into a computer and it just- created this whole thing so the reason i bring that up is because uh the very first thing is we're screwed so i guess that's my big takeaway is we're mega screwed if we've got computers making better art than human beings How long until we've got little dog robots coming in and stealing all of our crap out of our houses? Just saying I'm a little worried about that, but I say all that to say that I'm putting the call out. So here's my APB. Here's my all points bulletin. So it's been a very, very long time since I've gotten any tattoo work. Okay. So I have about 50 hours total on my arms, shoulders, and back, uh, but I'm looking to do way more uh, of, of that type of thing. I love black and gray photorealism. Okay, so probably my favorite artist is Jun Cha. So that's J-U-N, last name Cha, C-H-A. So uh, you can check him out. He does like sculptures and all that. But it's that style, kind of that old school style of black and gray, but it's still really photorealistic and looks really good. But I'm looking to do some stuff. I'm looking to get some more uh, work done. I don't really want to go into too terribly much detail, but it is revelation related. And uh, I think that's really awesome. So shout out to any of the best black and gray tattoo artists in America. Hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's info at undaunted.life. If you've got some really good black and gray, not just black and gray, but really, really good, like top tier black and gray, and you know the artists or something like that, get us connected because it's kind of a complicated project and not every artist is willing to take that on. So just wanted to get that out there to you guys. All right, next quick hitter here the fallout of the Dobbs decision pushing abortion supporters towards the Democrat Party for the midterm election. So I hate reading this, but here we go. This is according to Fox News. A Wall Street Journal poll indicates that American support for abortion increased in the months since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade precedent that recognized a nationwide right to terminate pregnancies, otherwise known as abortion. Come on, Fox News. The rise in support for abortion could affect the November midterm elections with voters viewing abortion as a more important issue than it has been in previous elections. The Wall Street Journal poll found that support for abortion increased five percentage points from 55% in March to 60% in August among all likely voters, but a vast majority of Democrats, 83%, said the ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization this summer would make them more likely to vote in November midterm elections, and 53% of independent voters said the same. That poll echoed other recent polling indicating that abortion is not the most important issue for voters when compared to economic concerns like inflation, but abortion did come out as the top Reason that would make voters turn out in November, according to the Wall Street Journal survey. Um, so here's the thing it's one survey from the Wall Street Journal. These people do get paid to make sure these surveys don't completely dupe the public. So I think we should take it with a grain of salt, but not that big of a grain of salt. And again, there's still several months before the midterm elections. There's a myriad of things that could happen. You know, you should expect some sort of January 6th type of thing to happen for the midterm so that, you know, Donald Trump uh, is seen as uh, the great Satan and so that Joe Biden can, you know, rubber stamp all this MAGA Republican stuff, which, you know, we'll get way more into that here in a bit. But we were assured by big time conservatives after the uh, Dobbs decision came down and big time pro-lifers that this would not happen. That, hey, guys, you know, don't don't get too worried about this. You know, the abortion issue is not even in the top 10 for most of these people. They're worried about jobs. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about the the war in Ukraine or whatever. This isn't going to happen. So namely, Ben Shapiro talked about that a lot. Sean Carney, who we love, we've had on the show. He's from 40 Days for Life. He basically said, Kyle, people aren't really going to be worried about this. But my big takeaway will go right to it. Sometimes I hate when I'm right. And it seems like I'm going to be right on this one but there's still time for me to be wrong, but I think I'm right when I said, and I always used it in terms of people moving from these blue communities, these Democrats moving from blue communities, coming to the state of Texas and saying that I think Texas will almost assuredly turn blue at some point within, certainly within our lifetime, if not, you know, much, much sooner for most of us, because most people vote with their hearts. They vote with things that are really, really, you know, they fire them up. Okay. So when they walk in the booth, As an independent or as a Democrat that is, you know, okay with certain Republican arguments or or some version of that, they're going to pull the lever for what makes them feel good. And if they feel like you hate women, right? You you hate women because you're forcing them to get pregnant because you're forcing them to to take a baby to term. You're forcing rapists to carry their uh, or you know people that have been raped to, to carry their rapist baby and all those different things. They're going to vote for whoever says that they're going to fight against something like that. So in November they're going to forget about gas being so expensive because they will have gotten used to it. They're going to forget about their grocery bill going up consistently because a lot of the people that are going to vote have gotten used to it by then. And so that's the thing that I find uh, really disturbing. And anytime that you spend a lot of time, you know, going back and forth, you know, weighing the pros and cons of voting on a particular candidate, you have some people that walk in the booth and vote for the person with the shortest name or the cutest sounding name, or they just do it randomly. So your well-informed vote counts just as much as some morons vote. But in this particular thing, there are people that are so fired up about the midterm elections because they literally think their bodies are on the line. They bought into the lie that, you know, they're not going to be able to get treatment for ectopic pregnancies. They bought into the lie that if it's a woman and they miscarry, that they're going to potentially be arrested. They bought into the lie that they're not going to be able to buy uh spermicidal lube or condoms at Walgreens anymore. They bought into all these nonsense lies. So to pretend as if that's not going to have an effect on the midterms, I think is foolish. Uh, again, there's plenty of time for me to be wrong here, but it looks like I was right on this one. All right, next uh, next quick hitter here. Google search results prioritizing abortion facilities over crisis pregnancy centers. So this is according to The Daily Wire. Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, boasted about pressuring Google to suppress search results for crisis pregnancy centers. The technology conglomerate recently announced that Google Maps will only produce options for abortion clinics when users search for abortion-related services. However, crisis pregnancy centers, nonprofits that offer financial and medical assistance to mothers attempting to keep their babies, will no longer appear in queries regarding abortion. Back in June, Rep. Slotkin and I wrote, this is uh, that that senator talking, wrote to Google urging them to improve their search results and prevent users from that search for abortion clinics and services from being misled. Today I received a response from Google and am happy to report that they will be taking action, Warner tweeted. Soon those who search for abortion clinics near me will only see facilities that have been verified to provide abortions in the local search box on Google, meaning that far fewer women will be mistakenly led to crisis pregnancy centers that often provide misinformation, he continued. Additionally, as our letter requested, Google says results for searches such as abortion clinics will be clearly labeled as to whether the facility provides abortions okay so there were actually a couple of dozen elected democrats in congress that were pushing google to do this um and i want to kind of go back to something that i said right after the dobbs decision do you guys remember me saying that the war for life was only beginning remember me saying that hey it's friday night let's celebrate let's celebrate the fact that this is going to save untold amounts of babies lives but that the real war starts tomorrow Because this is how the war is going to be fought. You have elected members of Congress telling Google, not asking nicely, but telling Google, hey, you need to do this or you won't like the consequences. And Google being a woke leftist company was all too eager to do that. It's a shock that they weren't doing that beforehand. Okay, so my big takeaway here is remind me again why I shouldn't have spiked the football after the Dobbs decision. Because that's what I heard. From a lot of leftist Christians and a lot of people, even on the conservative side, it's like, you know, now's not the time to spike the football. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are hurt by this decision and we need to be sensitive to that. We need to be empathetic and blah, 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 and all that garbage, right? In light of what these satanic Democrats are doing, was I supposed to just sit quietly, just sit on my hands, and, you know, perhaps pull them out long enough to do a very, very silent golf clap to myself? No, we will spike the football on that. The Dobbs decision was a great thing, eradicating Roe v. Wade or eradicating, you know, this precedent since the 1970s, where we were just going to be murdering babies at will. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But now we have to look at where we're at now and see what's happening in the actual streets, right? And I mean that in terms of Google Maps, because I was just talking with people from The Hope Center, so the Hope Center in my town in Edmond, Oklahoma, they are the pregnancy resource center here. So if you have a crisis pregnancy or something like that, these are the people that are going to help you. Their walk-ins or drop-ins, my understanding is, if I have this inaccurate, I'll correct the record later, but my understanding is that they've fallen off a cliff. And if you go to Google outside of their facility and you type in pregnancy resource center, they're not going to pop up all the time. It's kind of intermittent. And they treat it as if, if you're looking for an abortion, that you wouldn't take what they would give you at a facility like the Hope Center as an option. That's what Google's doing now. You could literally be right next to a pregnancy resource center that will help you and it will help service you if you decide to keep your baby alive, but they're going to send you perhaps miles away, perhaps states away in order to go get an abortion, okay? This is how these people are fighting. And of all the ways and all the reasons to fight dirty, this is a pretty damn good one. Because you have individuals that want you to kill your children, especially if they're black and brown, while they turn around and support Black Lives Matter and say that if you say all lives matter, somehow you're the racist. Again, this is a worldview that must be defeated. This is what I'll be spending the entire time talking about on September the 18th at Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, is how we can defeat these arguments, but also how we can fight back. No, I don't mean with bricks. No, I don't mean with volatile cocktails. No, I don't mean with AR-15s, and I don't mean with fists. But there are ways to push back against this darkness, and we're going to make sure that we give you all that information. All right, next quick hitter here. The sharp increase in sterilization of women and men seeking to get vasectomies. Okay, so this is according to Washington Examiner. More women are opting for sterilization following the Supreme Court decision that there is no constitutional right to an abortion, which opened the floodgates for state level efforts to regulate abortion with abortion bans going into effect across the United States. Women are increasingly choosing to get tubal litigate or ligation rather procedures, a common form of permanent contraception that around one in four women chooses to undergo. Elective sterilization is typically most common among women who have already had children and have chosen not to have more. Now, OBGYNs are reporting an increase in elective sterilizations following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that established a right to abortion nationwide. Now, this is also from a different article from the Washington Examiner, but I'll go into it here. Doctors across the United States are reporting sharp rises in men seeking vasectomies following last week's Supreme Court decision that eliminated the constitutional right to abortion. Urologists told the Washington Post that more men are making appointments for the procedure for the purpose of avoiding pregnancy and preparing for the possibility of court rulings limiting contraception access, which is actually totally bogus. But but let's kind of go into this. Let's break this down a little bit. This is not all that surprising. It's really not. Because anytime there's a big legislative change, people freak out people start losing their mind. And so it's, it's not shocking at all that this would happen on this particular case. And many of the people that we're talking about here, these are people that kind of worship at the altar of self, because that's one of the main reasons why you wouldn't want to procreate because it comes a drag on your life. I mean, I have a two year old and an about to be six month old. There are a lot of things I'd rather be doing than some of the things I have to do with those kids. Literally today, guys, I was checking the back of my son's diaper to see if he had poop. And what do you think I stuck my finger in? Because it had ran up his back. Yeah. Got a finger full of crap. Now, if I were single and hadn't procreated, I would have never had to experience the joy of sticking my finger in warm poop, but it just is what it is. Okay. But it's not at all that surprising. But many of these people that are doing this, that are getting their tubes tied before they've had children or getting bisectomies before they've had children, they will live to regret this. They certainly will. Some of these people are single. They, they don't see getting married at some point because they bought into the cultural lie that if you get married, it's, it's the worst decision that you can possibly make. Maybe they're not with the right person right now. And they're like, man, I don't want to accidentally get this girl pregnant because then I'm stuck with her or something like that. Many of these people will live to regret it and they're going to try to reverse it in the future and it may not be possible. But also, many will not regret it, which is actually very sad to see because I've seen a lot of examples of this even in my personal life, but certainly you've seen this as well. You have these people that bought into the lie. Let, let's, let's talk about it in terms of feminism. So you have a second, this mainly second, third, and fourth wave feminism. These individuals have convinced you that kids are a drag. They're going to keep you from getting that corner office job. They're going to keep you from that job where you have to work 80 to 90 hours a week to prove how much better you are than the men or, or whatever the scenario is, right? And then you have these women that are well past their peak years of caring and caring for children. So maybe they're in their 40s or 50s now, and now it's not possible for them to have biological children of their own. And they're so unbelievably crushed by that because they bought into the cultural lie that women can only be satisfied when they're just as dominant in the business world or the entrepreneurial world as all the men that they see writing all these self help books and writing, you know, doing these stupid YouTube videos, right? They bought into the lie. Now it's too late. Or you thought you may want to have kids, but you're like, ah, you know, there's technology now, so I can just have kids whenever. And then you spend tens of thousands of dollars on IVF and other treatments, and they don't take. I know some people personally that have gone through that several times, spent a great amount of money and don't have any kids, haven't even gotten pregnant. And it's because you wait a long time. And then there's some other genetic things that might be involved. But it's sad for a lot of these people. That think a dog is fine, a cat is fine, going on a bunch of vacations is fine, and then when they're towards the end of their life, they look around and they don't have anybody. I just posted something on Instagram about a week ago where it's this guy that was like the great grandpa of the family. He was dying in a hospital room, and the entire family looked like <clears throat> so it looked like his wife, you know, his brothers and sisters, uh, grandkids, great grandkids, like extended family. They're all in there singing hymns as he's about to pass on to the other side, right? But if he had never had children, he would have died in the company of a nurse or in the company of the beep 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 of the heart monitor. And so these people that have bought into the lie that they don't need a family, they don't need a man, they don't need any of those types of things, they're really really going to regret it. And I and I hate that for them. But my big takeaway on this one is this is actually the direct result of secular humanism. That's exactly what it is. But oddly enough, it's an anti-human sentiment. So if you're a secular humanist, you believe that we are just matter. We're matter that doesn't actually matter. Okay. There is no God. There is no grand plan. We are the descendants of fish who are the descendants of chimps who are the descendants, you know, of, you know, higher chimps. And then us like that, that's what you believe. That's what you think we are. We're some cosmic accident. And that's how we all got here. But if you take this viewpoint, you become anti-human you buy into the green initiatives that say, Oh, we, we shouldn't have any more people because you know, the earth is going to fall away and mother earth's going to be so mad and all these different things. It's going to be, it's going to be an issue for you. Right. And I hate that. Like, I hate that for you, but it just, it kind of is, is what it is. But it's so funny when these people have bought into the secular humanism lie only to find out on the back end, like, Oh crap, like I should have had kids and now I can't like, it's a very anti-human way of operating. So, uh, we're probably going to continue to see this trend of people doing that. And hopefully some of these people wise up and don't actually make these appointments and realize, Hey, if you're 25 years old and you like to party, maybe getting a vasectomy isn't what you need. Maybe what you need is Jesus. And you need to go home and read your Bible and not try to have sex with every girl at the club. You know, sorry, call me old fashioned. All right. Next quick hitter here. I think we got a couple more, a new study showing that the much maligned Ivermectin reduced COVID death by 92%. So this is according to The Blaze. A new peer-reviewed study found that regular use of ivermectin reduced the risk of dying from COVID-19 by 92%. The large study was conducted by Flavio A. Cadangiani. Sorry, I'm not Italian. And he is a board-certified endocrinologist with a master's degree and doctorate degree in clinical endocrinology. The peer-reviewed study was published on Wednesday of last week by the online medical journal uh, Curious. That's C-U-R-E-U-S, curious Curios, whatever. The study was conducted on a strictly controlled population of 82,012 people from the city of Itaja in Brazil. Gosh, can we give me some stuff I know how to pronounce? Individuals who use ivermectin as prophylaxis or took the medication before being in- infected with COVID experienced significant reductions in death and hospitalization. According to the study, those who took ivermectin regularly had a 92% reduction in their COVID death risk compared to the non-users and 84% less than reg- than irregular users. The hospitalization rate was reduced by 100% in regular users compared to both irregular users and non-users, the study stated. So I guess with all this, thank you for telling us what we already knew. Because from the beginning, if you listen to anybody that actually paid attention to this stuff, Joe Rogan mainly being the most maligned for this, we knew that it worked. We knew it from the beginning. So my big takeaway on this one, not going to spend a lot of time on it, is this was all about money, you guys. Because if you're not familiar with ivermectin, it's been around for a very, very long time and it's incredibly cheap. It's super duper cheap. There was no profit in ivermectin for Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson and Johnson or any of these other companies. They needed to push the vaccine. They needed you to get the vaccine. They needed the government to keep paying for it. They needed other governments around the world to keep paying for it. Because if we just thought, hey, we can give you a prophylaxis, we can just give you this ivermectin, ivermectin costs nothing. It almost costs more to make it than they can sell it for. That's how cheap it is, right? But this was all about money. As the years continue to go by, we've already been told the masks were a joke. We shouldn't have been wearing them for as long as we were wearing them. The school should have never been shut down. Your businesses should have never been shut down. Uh, That herd immunity is certainly better than vax immunity and all those different things. But even as time goes on, all this COVID stuff is going to get worse and worse. It's not going to get better with time. This is just the latest version of that. Alright, last quick hitter here. I hate this, but we've got a report on it. Two men uh, going on a stabbing spree that left 10 people dead and another 15 injured in Saskatchewan, Canada over the weekend. So this is according to ABC News. And this is from ABC News as of a few hours ago. So if you guys are listening to this on time, I recorded this on the 5th of September on Labor Day. Okay, so these guys may have been caught by now and you know who the heck knows, but I'm recording on Monday. Two suspects in a Canadian stabbing rampage that left 10 people dead and 15 injured in an indigenous community in Saskatchewan remained on the run Monday morning. As a massive search for them continued into its second day, authorities said. Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Saskatchewan identified Damien Anderson, or sorry, Damien Sanderson and Miles Sanderson as the two suspects in the massacre. They are believed to be driving a black Nissan Rogue with SK license plate 119 MPI, according to police. So I know I have some listeners here uh, on this podcast from Canada and from Saskatchewan. So I want to read that again. Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Saskatchewan identified Damien Sanderson and Miles Sanderson as the two suspects in the massacre. They are believed to be driving a black Nissan on rogue with SK license plate one, one, nine M P I, according to police, their pictures are in the show notes. You guys can check that out. So as soon as I heard this, obviously my heart broke for this community. uh, My heart broke for the people that, that lost loved ones in this horrific manner. But knowing the prime minister of that country, uh, don't you think it's probably about time to ban pointy things? Cause he, he wants to get rid of all guns, right? He basically wants to make gun ownership a thing of the past for all Canadians. That's what Trudeau wants to do. But look how many people were killed with pointy things. 15 people stabbed to death and, or sorry, 10 people stabbed to death and 15 injured by stabbings. And as a point that I've made way, way often every time I talked about this, and in terms of human history, way more people have been killed with pointy things that have been killed with bullets. Pointy things like knives or swords or spears or arrowheads. And so why don't we want to ban pointy things? And this is a big takeaway on this one. Evil is the problem, not the tools of evil. Every time I talk about uh, the gun issue, and I was just doing an interview with a guy uh, right before I hopped on here to record today. We want to vilify the tools of evil without addressing the evil because we love univariate analysis because it's easy. And if you're brain dead or stupid or both, then it's way easy to deal with that first level. So you think this many people are killed with guns. We just need to get rid of them. But then we start going layers and layers deeper. You realize it's a much, much different issue And depending upon the community that you grew up in, depending upon your experience with firearms, depending upon even your basic understanding of the constitution. Is going to affect how you believe that Americans specifically should have firearms, but then firearm uh, ownership and control throughout the globe. But evil is the problem. I pointed this out. Almost every single year you look at the stats, way more people are killed with hands, feet, and fists than are killed with rifles. And yet we need to ban AR-15s. I think the last year we have stats about 600 people were beaten to death with hands, feet, and fists, stomped to death, then were killed with rifles, all rifles. Right. But we don't want to deal with the people that are killing people with hands, feet, and fists because it's kind of hard for the government to control those things because they're attached to people. But we can control supposedly the weapons that these people might use. Again, I think it's a foolish ideology. I, I don't quite understand why why people would go that route, but it's evil. People and again, gospel centered believing Christians aren't the ones going out there and doing these types of things. So to say this isn't a gospel issue, I think is foolish as well because there are people that are pro-gun that are atheists, but it's like, why would you want to defend yourself? Why would you not let a stronger monkey take you out so that the gene pool could be even stronger, right? That's the, the, the secular humanist, you know, biologist, evolutionary biologist view is we need the best genes to keep going into the future. So it's okay if you were to kill the weaker chimp. They needed to die. It's okay if two sub-chimps defeat the strongest chimp Because now you have spread out the strength amongst two chimps as opposed to the main dominant alpha. You see how far this goes? That's where this worldview goes. It's silly, but here we are. So we made it all the way through. Guys, I appreciate you sticking with me. We really need to break down Biden's primetime address that he did last week called the Continued Battle for the Soul of the Nation. Okay? So... He delivered this on Thursday, September the 1st of 2022. This was delivered outside of Independence Hall in the hellscape that is now Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so I was on Twitter last Thursday night and I kept seeing a bunch of people posting pictures and posting these things, talking about Biden's speech, because obviously I wasn't going to be watching that live. But there were words like Satan and blood and totalitarian and dictator and demonic. Like those were the words that were trending on Twitter. Like worldwide trending, okay, and then you got everyone's reaction. They're just like, "Man, this is one of the craziest speeches I've ever seen. How could they let you know the 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 colors be the way that they were and all these different things?" And again, I hadn't watched the speech. I hadn't even seen a clip yet. So for me, as usual, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I wanted to take a second to breathe. I wanted to review the actual speech, you know, review people's thoughts and kind of you know spend some time thinking about it before I just threw my thoughts out there. But then I watched the speech myself. And man, um, it is legitimately and simultaneously one of the worst, scariest, and, and demagoguing speeches that I've ever heard. I mean, certainly ever heard by a U.S., you know, sitting U.S. president. And so a lot of people have talked about demagogue. So demagogue is a word that's being thrown around a lot about this speech. It's not a common word. So basically it means, this is actually the the Google definition, I believe, a political leader who seeks support by appealing to the desires and prejudices of ordinary people rather than using rational argument. Okay? You're not going to see any rational arguments as we go in and break this down. But something to keep in mind, and this is what's shocking, because I remember people like last Monday and Tuesday talking about what Thursday's speech was going to be. This was supposed to be, Biden's big unity speech, that he was going to come out here and do his thing and he was going to talk unity to the American people. Okay. So, what we're going to do in this podcast is we're actually going to break down clips of this. Okay. We're going to start from the very, very beginning of the speech. I'll try to remember to give you guys the timestamps for the link that I'm putting here in the show notes um, because I do skip around a little bit. I, I do go in chronological order, but I am going to skip some sections that don't really elucidate things further. But the big question I want you guys to keep in mind as we break this down is what is a MAGA Republican exactly? What is a MAGA Republican exactly? Because I took notes, and by the time we get to the end of this, I've got a list of what a MAGA Republican is, and we'll see how many of you guys would opt into that list. So let's go ahead and start from the very, very beginning of the clip at 0 Here we go. Please welcome the President of the United States and Dr. Jill Biden. So that may have seemed like an obnoxious way to start this whole thing out, especially if you're not watching the show on rumble or on YouTube, even if you're not guys go on there and subscribe, it supports us. But the thing is, is there were some interesting things to point out about his walkout. That's why it's important for you guys to watch this. Now, the rest of it, you're going to actually hear from him. So it's not going to be as weird. The first thing is that the two Marines that walk out first before Biden does, um, they play into this whole strange optics that we'll see throughout the speech. And, and also my OCD kicked in a little bit here. Could we not get these guys two equally spaced beside Biden? Because one guy's like right next to him, basically in the background, the other guy's a little bit over. Like, could they not put two X's on the ground that were equally spaced away in terms of where the camera was? I mean, come on guys, optics. The second thing is they welcome Dr. Jill Biden I always find that to be funny. Again, I come from the higher education world, so there was everybody with a PhD. You would call them doctor this and doctor that. But it is funny how much they don't just introduce her as the first lady, as if that's the most impressive thing about her, because technically it is. But the fact that she got a doctorate in some useless thing, that's why they have to call her Dr. Jill Biden. That's always funny. Third thing is they immediately light up Independence Hall as co-president Biden and the first lady come walking out. They light it up red. <clears throat> okay, it was a strange choice, but okay. It's lit up red as they're walking out, and the fourth thing is, is Biden legitimately? I'm not being funny here. Okay, I'm not being catty. He legitimately looks confused as he walks out. He's kind of got this. Uh, I don't know. He's got this look of an old person with dementia, because he's an old person with dementia. Okay, so Jill is certainly more than the first lady. She is the handler of the co-president of the United States. Like, how many times do you remember? Uh, Barack Obama or George W. Bush or anybody walking out to give a speech, and they've got their, the first lady on their arm basically leading them to the podium. They probably did that because they were worried he was going to veer off if he heard an ice cream truck or something like that. Okay, we're going to go to the clip starting at 1 minute 47 seconds. Here we go.
1: My fellow Americans, <clears throat> please, if you have a seat, take it. I speak to you tonight <clears throat> from sacred ground in America. Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is where America made its declaration of independence to the world more than two centuries ago with an idea unique among nations that in America, we're all created equal. This is where the United States Constitution was written and debated. This is where we set in motion the most extraordinary experiment of self-government the world has ever known. With three simple words, we, the people, we, the people, these two documents and the ideas they embody, equality and democracy are the rock upon which this nation is built.
0: So as soon as he takes the podium here, again, this is more the visual side, and then we'll get more to the optics of the actual speech or not the optics, but the words of the actual speech. They turn the normal red color that they lit up Independence Hall with to a deep, dark blood red, like not dark, but a bright blood red. Okay. So it was kind of red. And then it was like super red. Okay. They also turned down the lights that were lighting up the Marines that were behind Biden to where we basically can only see them as black silhouettes now. So very, very shocking optics for a speech like this. I mean, incredibly shocking. And also I can't really say much about the whole clearing of the throat thing, because as you guys know, like my station here where I, I do this, I've got lozenges, I've got water, I've got honey, I've got all kinds of stuff sitting here. I've got a lozenge in my mouth right now. <clears throat> I literally had to clear my throat just and I have to clear my throat constantly. But could no one get this man a glass of water while he waited to walk out there in the back? Like, he spends the first 15 seconds gargling. It's like, come on, guys. But then he starts talking, he starts talking about how we're all created equal, okay? Now, this is an interesting thing for him to use as a part of his intro, considering where the speech goes. So keep that in mind that in the first minute of his speech, he's talking about how we're all created equal, and then he says a lot of stuff that he says. So I'm going to start. We're going to go back to the three-minute-and-five-second mark, going back to the clip here.
1: But well, as I stand here tonight, equality and democracy— are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. So tonight, I've come to this place where it all began to speak as plainly as I can to the nation about the threats we face, about the power we have in our own hands to meet these threats, and about the incredible future that lies in front of us, if only. We choose it.
0: So, equality and democracy are under assault. So, first thing to point out is we're not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And perhaps that would have been a good thing to mention while standing in front of Independence Hall where they debated and wrote the Constitution. Like, equality and democracy? And again, he keeps talking about equality. He doesn't want equality, he wants equity, which is a completely different thing. But he wants equality to be a cornerstone of this speech. Again, that's important because of what's coming. He wants equality to be the cornerstone of what he talks about. So back to the clip here. We're going to go to four minutes and 22 seconds.
1: Now in our time, as we build an America that is more prosperous, free and just. That is the work of my presidency, a mission I believe in with my whole soul.
0: So interesting, he invokes the soul here. Again, he's a really good Catholic when it suits him. He's really good and and dependent on God when it suits him, and then not basically the other 99.9% of his life. But the use of the word just there is very important because what he thinks is justice and what the left wing of the Democratic Party, which is what's running the Democratic Party right now, when they say just, they don't mean what you mean when you're a conservative Christian and you say that. When they say just, they mean we're gonna rejigger everything regardless of what it causes in terms of consternation and you know prejudice and racism or whatever today. That's what they mean when they mean just. So we'll go back into the clip here starting at 440.
1: But first, we must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic.
0: So here we go. He says what we're seeing today is not normal. And he's going to talk a little bit more about what he means by that. But then he says Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. So that's the first time we hear in the speech him talk about these MAGA Republicans. Like, who could that possibly be? But then he says Donald Trump. So he actually rarely says Donald Trump's name. Okay. Actually the entire administration very rarely says that. So this is actually important that he uses Donald Trump's name. You know, you'll hear, you know, the people that are uh, doing the white house press briefings and all that, they will, they will always talk about the previous president, the previous administration, they will not use Donald Trump's name. So it's very important that he uses Donald Trump's name explicitly in the speech. Also, here's a new branding technique that they're using. They tried a bunch of other ones. They tried, tried you know, ultra MAGA, they tried extreme this, extreme that. But now they're just going with MAGA Republicans. Okay, so that's who they're going to try to brand and describe here in this speech. And he immediately ties MAGA Republicans to extremism. Okay, MAGA Republicans, whatever that is, and we're going to get more into that in a second, to extremism. So you have to guess that he's going to define what a MAGA Republican is as he goes, don't you think? And so it's important that we need to take him seriously as it pertains to that. So let's go back into it here. We're going to start at 501.
1: I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country.
0: So what Biden tries to do here is he tries to draw a dividing line between MAGA Republicans, the so-called MAGA Republicans, and mainstream Republicans, okay? But again, he's yet to define what a MAGA Republican is or what they believe. So from the beginning, which this is probably on purpose as well, he's trying to divide a line so that you're not thinking about, oh, not like your grandpa or not like, you know, your brother who voted for, you know, uh, Donald, or sorry, George W. Bush back in the day, or maybe voted for George H.W. or Ronald Reagan. He's trying to divide that. He's trying to divide that from the beginning, but he's still yet to start defining what a MAGA Republican is. Okay, so this is important. Now we're going to go to 535.
1: These are hard things. But I'm an American president, not a president of red America, blue America, but of all America. And I believe it's my duty, my duty to level with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful.
0: So Joe Biden, no stranger to plagiarism, he simply steals the the blue and red America sentiment from Obama and from his speech. So no shock there, but we'll get back into it. Five fifty eight.
1: And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers. To undermine democracy itself.
0: So, this is where the rubber starts to meet the road. This is where he starts to actually define what a MAGA Republican is. And if you don't know what MAGA means, it's Make America Great Again. I'm assuming everybody knew that, but MAGA Republican. So, I'm starting a list here. So, number one, what a MAGA Republican is they do not respect the Constitution. Number two, they do not believe in the rule of law. Number three, they do not recognize the will of the people. Number four, they refuse to accept the results of a free election. Number five, they want to empower election deniers at a state level. Okay, now that's all very interesting because isn't it the Democrats that, one, think that the Constitution is a living document when they want to use it and they just ignore it all the other times? And secondly, don't they believe that laws just get in the way of justice and are enforced by racist cops? And also, you know, three and four, they claim that every election that they lose, especially presidential elections, especially ones in 2016, are stolen, right? And then the fifth thing, don't they believe that change, that you should change the laws in their favorite swing states to make it easier for people to commit fraud? Didn't they do that in the run-up to the 2020 election? So what exactly are you talking about, right? So this is the first bit of gaslighting for this entire speech, which is he's basically describing what they do, but branding it as something that the MAGA Republicans do. Okay, so back to it here, 631.
1: MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country.
0: So I love it. Take this country backwards. So he's adding to the definition, to the list of definitions of a MAGA Republican. So number six, they do not want Americans to have the right to choose, otherwise known as, you know, killing your baby in the womb. No right to privacy. That's number seven. So they're attaching this to the original ruling for Roe v. Wade. Number eight, no right to contraception, which is a bogus lie that no one actually really believes unless they've been fooled. Number nine, no, they don't believe you should have the right to marry who you love. So this reflects the tiny portion of Republicans that still have the stones to say that gay marriage is wrong and immoral. Number 10, they promote authoritarian leaders. So obviously they're referring to Trump, you know, the guy that, his, that he told, you know, to peacefully protest there on January the 6th. And then number 11, these people, these MAGA Republicans fan the flames of political violence, at which point I got to say, BLM or Antifa, anybody? How about all of the Democratic politicians? that we're all too happy to raise money to bail out BLM and Antifa rioters in 2020 so that they could go stomp for justice for George Floyd, one of the most colossal pieces of crap we've ever seen in this country. So, we're up to 11 different things. Let's get back into it here at 7.04.
1: They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, But they look at them as patriots and they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. They tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. This time, they're determined to succeed in thwarting the will of the people.
0: So we keep adding to the list of MAGA Republicans what they are, number 12. They think that the people that stormed the Capitol on January the 6th are patriots. I don't actually know any Republicans that think that. And then number 13, they're preparing to do the same in 2022, 2024, right? Here we go. Let's get back into it. We're gonna skip ahead a little bit and going to 847. Here we go.
1: I believe America is at an inflection point. One of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now, America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, or a nation of fear, division and of darkness.
0: Hope, unity and optimism. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but aren't you feeling that hope, unity, and optimism in this speech? I mean, I'm just feeling so much of that. Like that's I'm equal parts hope, unity, and optimism, listening to this dolt try to speak words through his face hole. But let's get back into it. We'll skip ahead to 1021.
1: And this is a nation that rejects violence as a political tool. We do not encourage violence. We are still an America that believes in honesty and decency and respect for others. patriotism, liberty, justice for all, hope, possibilities. We are still, at our core, a democracy. And yet, history tells us that blind loyalty to a single leader and a willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. For a long time, We've told ourselves that American democracy is guaranteed, but it's not. We have to defend it, protect it, stand up for it, each and every one of us. That's why tonight I'm asking our nation to come together, unite behind the single purpose of defending our democracy, regardless of your ideology.
0: So nice little applause line there. Sorry, I'm having to make you guys listen to his voice so much. It's literally one of the least enthralling things possible, but a few things to break down there. So he talks about rejects violence as a political tool. So is that why your vice president helped raise money to get those rioters out of prison in Minnesota? Right. Again, going back to George Floyd summer, right, where $2 billion worth of damage. And untold numbers of cops were either killed or injured while, while doing all these different things. Like, is that what we're talking about? They reject violence as a political tool. Are you kidding me? The reason why Democrats refuse to poo poo those groups is because they were literally doing their political bidding. What exactly are you talking about? He also said, we are still at our core, a democracy. No, no, no. Even Tucker Carlson says this all the time. We're not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic It is foundationally different. And then he's talking about how he wants us to come together. My question to Biden here would be, who is us? Who is this us you're talking about? Because you're trying to other a group of people by saying us think this way. This group that you're calling us thinks a certain way. But who is he referring to exactly? Because he's kind of painting with a broad, you know, pretty broad brush at this point. Okay, let's go to 1128.
1: We're all called by duty and conscience to confront extremists will put their own pursuit of power above all else. Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than MAGA Republicans are to to destroying American democracy.
0: So we've got another thing we're adding to the definition of MAGA Republican. Number 14, want to destroy American democracy. Let's get back into it here at 1155.
1: We, the people, will not let anyone or anything tear us apart. Today, there are dangers around us. We cannot allow to prevail. We here, you've heard it, more and more talk about violence as an acceptable political tool in this country. It's not. It can never be an acceptable tool. So I want to say this plain and simple. There is no place for political violence in America, period, none ever.
0: There is no place for political violence in America, period, none ever. Except Black Lives Matter, because we like them. Except for Antifa, they're kind of weird with their, their piercings and their hair, but we like them too, because they think the way that we do. There are pseudo brown shirts. They're, they just take care of business for us. Oh, and we get a 15th thing to add to the definition of MAGA Republican they believe violence is an acceptable political tool. Again, not BLM, not Antifa, but MAGA Republicans believe that violence is an acceptable political tool. Let's get back into it at 13.03.
1: On top of that, there are public figures today, yesterday, and the day before predicting and all but calling for mass violence and rioting in the streets. This is inflammatory. It's dangerous. It's against the rule of law. And we, the people, must say... This is not who we are.
0: Are you getting the point yet? You know, there's people that are calling, almost demanding that we have mass violence and rioting in the streets. This is not who we are. Do I need to say it again? BLM, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, what exactly are you talking about? Can someone please get Joe Biden a mirror? Okay, back to it, 1331.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we can't be pro uh, insurrectionist and pro-American. They're incompatible. We can't allow violence to be normalized in this country. It's wrong. We each have to reject political violence with with all the moral clarity and conviction this nation can muster now. We can't let the integrity of our elections be undermined, for that is a path to chaos. Look, I know politics can be fierce and mean and nasty in America. I get it. I believe in the give and take of politics, in disagreement and debate and dissent. We're a big, complicated country. But democracy endures only if we, the people, respect the guardrails of the republic. Only if we, the people, accept the results of free and fair elections. Only if we, the people, See, politics, not as total war, but mediation of our differences.
0: Mediation of our differences. Well, is that why you keep passing things with only Democratic support through Congress? Not peeling off a single Republican vote? Is that what you mean? But also he talks about respecting the guardrails of the Republic. So he almost said it there. He almost said constitutional Republic, which is what we are. Sorry to ask him, you mean like federalism? Where the states have rights? You mean that? You mean the part that you don't like very much because you want the you know, government, the federal government to be as strong as possible? You don't want the states to be able to decide? You, you mean like the guardrail that we call the Constitution? You, you mean like staying in your lane as president where you don't just do things via fiat because you can just forcing things through with, you know, forcing your radical agenda through without the support of Congress, the people that are elected by the people? Is that what you mean by respecting the guardrails of the Republic? Let's get back into it. 1441.
1: Democracy cannot survive when one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election. Either they win or they were cheated. And that's where the MAGA Republicans are today. They don't understand what every uh, patriotic American knows. You can't love your country only when you win. It's fundamental.
0: So these people think that, you know, you either think you won or that you were cheated. So again, I bring up like 2016 because there was an FBI investigation, then a special investigation where the Russians, the Ruskies were somehow the the reason why Donald Trump was elected and not tens of millions of Americans. But then he talks about how you can't love your country only when you win. Now, if you look at any data that anyone collects about patriotism versus Republicans and Democrats, whenever their person is in office, you see something very, very clear. Okay. In general, Republicans' patriotism, regardless of who is in the president's office, right, is generally very, very high. When their guy is not in a high office, it comes down a little bit. Like, it's almost, it's almost not even worth saying anything. But the patriotism is still high. But on the Democratic side, when their guy is not in office, right, whenever Trump's in office or George W. Bush or Reagan or whatever, their patriotism goes way down. Right. And you get a lot of these people saying, well, they're not my president. I remember first hearing that in college when George W. Bush was president. And people were like, yeah, well, he's not my president. I'm like, well, are you an American citizen? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, flowchart, he's your president. Right. I didn't like that Barack Obama was president. I thought he was a deeply corrupt man and very vacuous as a person, but he was my president. Like Joe Biden, I, I think, is a mental patient. He should be hanging out in a nursing home in a memory facility. But no, he's running the country, but he's still my president. I didn't vote for him, but he's my president. It goes back all the way to that. Okay, let's go back into it at sixteen nineteen.
1: Throughout our history, America's often made the greatest progress coming out of some of our darkest moments, like you're hearing that bullhorn.
0: So, if you're wondering what's happening way back there in the background, you can hear him. And Joe Biden even says something about it. There's a guy in the bullhorn. Bullhorn. bullhorn there it is, screaming "F Joe Biden." So, kind of funny. It's shocked that the Secret Service didn't like clear out, you know, a 10 mile radius around Independence Hall to make sure something like that wouldn't happen. But there you go. You got a guy screaming F Joe Biden up there. We'll get back into it. 1631.
1: I believe we can and must do that again. And we are. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. They spread fear and lies. Lies told for profit and power. But I see a different America an America with an unlimited future, an America that's about to take off.
0: All right, we've got a couple more examples or a couple more things to add to the definition of MAGA republican Number 16, look at America and see carnage, darkness, and despair. And also 17, they spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. Let's keep this going. Let's go to 1847.
1: Look, I know the last year, a few years have been tough, but today covid no longer controls our lives more americans are working than ever businesses are growing our schools are open millions of americans have been lifted out of poverty
0: today covid no longer controls our lives so if you were paying attention to my show last week where we talked we talked about the student loan relief and all that nonsense we're basically transferring the loans from one group of people to another group of people COVID was the legal basis with which they're going to go at this and try to make this a reality. So COVID is no longer controlling our lives, but it's such a pandemic, we got to make sure we pay off maybe up to $900 billion worth of student loan debt, okay? And then he mentioned schools being open, businesses are growing, and people that are being lifted out of poverty. Poverty. What about all the democratic policies that kept the schools closed, right? All those hero teachers, Right. That wanted to just sit at home and not actually do their freaking jobs in a classroom and all these businesses that were shut down and some of those businesses don't even exist anymore because even the PPP loan couldn't keep them open. All the restaurants that have shut down everything And the, the people being lifted out of poverty poverty. What about the people that were put into poverty because they lost things that they've been working for and that their families have been working for for decades all because of government shutdowns, which started with the Republicans, to be fair, but then the draconian policies that we saw from these Democratic governors and from the federal government when Joe Biden took office? Are you kidding me? You're talking to me like COVID's over now or we're allowed to say that now? We're not going to get banned from Spotify now if we do that? All right, next one here. Let's get into it. It's 1926.
1: No matter what the white supremacists and the extremists say, I made a bet on you, the American people, and that bet is paying off proving that from darkness, the darkness of Charlottesville, of COVID, of gun violence, of insurrection, we can see the light. Light is now visible. Light that will guide us forward, not only in words, but in actions. Actions for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for America.
0: Can't you feel the light, guys? Oh, and he added an 18th thing to the definition of MAGA Republicans. They're white supremacists. If you didn't know that, let's get into it. 1958.
1: Even in this moment, with all the challenges we face, I give you my word as a Biden, I've never been more optimistic about America's future, not because it may be because of who you are. We're going to end cancer as we know it. Mark my words. We're going to create millions of new jobs in a clean energy economy. We're going to think big. We're going to make the 21st century another American century because the world needs us to.
0: You like how he just throws in cancer? I mean, he's done that a lot in the first couple of years he's been in office. He just kind of throws that out there and then gives no context or any type of a plan for how he's going to eradicate cancer. Does he just shove that in the speech himself? I think he's just spitballing when he does that. Like, because he, he just throws it out there with nothing attached to it. Cancer. This guy is going to get rid of cancer. Okay, kind of like Al Gore invented the internet. Let's get back into it at 2025.
1: That's where we need to focus our energy not in the past not on divisive culture wars not on the politics of grievance but on a future we can build together
0: the divisive culture wars and the politics of grievance <laughs> like they've been fighting the culture wars for all these decades and republicans and conservatives finally woke up and realized oh i guess we need to start fighting these it's like yeah yeah, you need to fight it from the beginning. You kind of let them take an inch an inch an inch an inch an inch. And then it became a mile and they're like, oh, crap, we should probably respond now. And the politics of grievance, like grievance studies is like a thing in college campuses. Now, it's not a bunch of MAGA hat wearing dudes that are getting those degrees. Are you out of your mind? Like that is their game. Like they don't want to talk about the culture war the moment they start losing it to smart people like the governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, like he's smoking them in the culture war right now and they don't like it. All right, 2039 here.
1: The MAGA Republicans believe that for them to succeed, everyone else has to fail. They believe America, not like I believe about America. I believe America is big enough for all of us to succeed. And that is the nation we're building, a nation where no one is left behind.
0: All right, so number 19 in the definition of a MAGA Republican in order for them to succeed, everyone else has to fail. So if you believe in that, that makes you a MAGA Republican. Let's get back into it here at 2304.
1: My fellow Americans, America is an idea, the most powerful idea in the history of the world. And it beats in the hearts of the people of this country. It beats in all our hearts. It unites America. It is the American creed, the idea that America guarantees that everyone be treated with dignity. It gives hate no safe harbor. It installs in everyone the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can't achieve. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe. And that's precisely what we're doing, opening doors, creating possibilities, focusing on the future. And we're only just beginning.
0: So he says, America is an idea. Um, that's probably something you've heard somebody say, something similar, and it sounds okay. It's like whenever you say something and that actually means nothing, it's like you work in a PR department, like you're using words, but you're not actually saying anything. But America is not an idea as much as it is an ideal. That is why so many people are so desperate to get into this country. They're literally willing to risk their lives and their families' lives to get into this country, right? And we make it all too easy at our southern border right now, but we're not an idea, we're an ideal. And also he talks about regardless of where you started, well, that goes back to the grievance politics thing to where it's like you constantly talk about where people started, right? Like that's where you get the basis of your reparations talk. Again, it's like you're saying you don't support these things that you so clearly support. It's just more gaslighting. All right, we're gonna do the end here. So this is gonna start at 2518.
1: I have no doubt, none, that this is who we will be and that we'll come together as a nation that will secure our democracy, that for the next 200 years, we'll have what we had the past 200 years, the greatest nation on the face of the Earth. We just need to remember who we are. We are the United States of America, the United States of America. And may God protect our nation, and may God protect all those who stand watch over our democracy. God bless you all. Democracy. Thank you.
0: So all that at the end there would actually sound good if you didn't always hear him and people like him talk about how terrible our country is and how we've never gotten it right and all these different things. And how weird was it that he just said democracy at the end of his speech, blah, 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 blah. democracy, and just kind of goes on. Like, imagine me signing off my podcast with uh, capitalism and then just like, that's it. No outro music or nothing. And then he looks around because he's lost he looks to his right and, you know, sticks his hand out and there's no ghost there to shake his hands with. So he looks back over to the left and then he looks back to the right. And then, Oh, there's my wife or my sister. And then he gives him a kiss and, you know, a goat goes on with his life there. But that was the end of the speech. So I do want to make sure that we go over this in summary, because here is what co-president Biden thinks a MAGA Republican is. There are 18 things, okay? They do not respect the constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. They want to empower election deniers at the state level. They do not want Americans to have the right to choose. They want no right to privacy, no right to contraception no right to marry who you love, whatever that means, promote authoritarian leaders, fan the flames of political violence. They think that people, the people that stormed the Capitol on January the 6th are patriots. They are preparing to do the same thing in 2022 and 2024. They want to destroy American democracy. They believe violence is an acceptable political tool. They look at America and see carnage, darkness, and despair. They spread fear and lies and lies that are told for profit and power. And also the cherry on top, they're white supremacists. Okay. Now, on the list, let's talk about the list a little bit. I don't know a single human personally that fits that description. Like I just gave you 18 things. Who do you know that checks 18, those 18 boxes? I mean, is it possible that that person exists? Yeah, it's possible, but this is not indicative even in a small way of a, of a subsection of the Republican party, but also Think about the things that he kind of wove together, right? Even if you are on the extremist right and you do believe all those things, he said you're a MAGA Republican if you want to make sure that there are no fraud in elections, if you think that we shouldn't kill babies in the womb, that if you think gay marriage is immoral and shouldn't be legal, and if you voted or intend to vote for Donald Trump for president, That that's what he's saying in this speech, that you are a MAGA Republican. You're just like all those other MAGA extremists. If you want to make sure there's no fraud in elections, make sure that we shouldn't, you know, kill babies in the womb. If you think gay marriage is immoral and if you intend to vote for Donald Trump or you have before, because guys, if that's the case, then count me in. I guess I'm a MAGA Republican because I certainly co-sign all those things. So let's break down the speech because I know we're going a little bit long today. The optics were absolutely horrific. Guys, go to the show notes. I've got the link there. You've seen the, the pictures spread all over social media. The one where he's got both of his fists clenched and he's about to bang on the podium, like, you know, Dwight Schrute from The Office, whenever he got up there at that, that one speech, like that's a meme that's been floating around. But a lot of people think that this was just another goof, another gaffe by the Biden administration. Like they didn't mean to do it that well, if you if you pan out, you know, they've got blue on other sides of, of the red. The red was just in the middle. They were trying to go for the red, white and blue thing. And it was just it was an accident. But I honestly don't think so. I think it was intentional because they think that they're going to get some better results in the midterms if Joe Biden looks alive. They, they can't really get away with just hiding him in the basement, which is what he did for the entire election season, you know, pretending he was hiding from, 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 COVID or whatever. But at this point they are trying to make him seem like not only that he's alive, but that he's in control and like, he's this dark Lord. That's going to come and save us from all these MAGA Republicans. Like, how are you going to fight fire with deeper, deeper, darker, bloodier fire? I guess like that's, that's how they were going for this. So I do not personally think that the optics were an accident also about the speech. This was demagoguery, okay? Again, demagoguery is where a political leader seeks support by appealing to the desires and prejudices of ordinary people rather than using a rational argument. Again, this was a political speech, not not a debate, so we're not getting a bunch of rational arguments, to be fair, but what did you hear that was even vaguely a rational argument? What was the point exactly? Even if you're a Biden guy, which I don't know why you're still listening to this uh, an hour and 20 minutes in or so, if you're a Biden guy, what was his point? Like if you had to pick the point of this entire speech, what would it be? And did he hit the mark? Because he talked about a lot of things and he just kept saying the word unity and equality and all these other, did he hit the mark? Because it didn't really feel like it. Also, Biden seemingly now is everything that they told us Trump was or would become. Now, again, that might seem rich because of the January 6th stuff, but again, go back to what Trump said that day in Washington, D.C. He told people to go over there and peacefully assemble. Now, all of his rhetoric uh, before that, like I thought was egregious. I didn't think it was great. All the stuff that he was talking about to claim these things behind a microphone, but then not claim them in court about, you know, election meddling and, you know, these different votes and election machines and drop boxes and all that stuff. It's like, okay, we'll prove it in court so we can move on. And he wouldn't do it because he didn't have the goods seemingly. But Biden is becoming the thing they told us Trump was going to be. These draconian measures, these unilateral decisions that affect the entirety of the United States population, legal and illegal, right? That's who Joe Biden is. Also in this speech, this is very important. Joe Biden and his administration othered the 63 million people that voted for Trump in 2016 and the 74 million people that voted for Trump in 2020. So as a reminder, I did not vote for him in 2016, so I was not one of the 63 million people that voted for him then, but I was one of the 74 million people that proudly voted for Trump in 2020, which again should remind you, he gained 11 million votes in four years and in the middle of a pandemic, got 11 million more people to vote for him, and then he lost to Joe Biden by like six or seven million votes. again. I just talked about how Trump didn't prove in court by any stretch of the imagination that there was, you know, any fraud that would have led to the overturning of the election. But guys, 80 million people legally voted for Joe Biden, a guy that didn't even campaign. Trump got 11 million more votes than he did in 2016. Really? Now, I'm I'm just going to leave that there. Gosh, that stinks to high heaven. But we need to wrap up what we're talking about today. Again, this speech was supposed to be Joe Biden's big pitch for unity. This was his unity play. Now, I just got to tell you, wherever you sit on, uh, you know, if you're far right, if you're you're centrist, moderate, you know, which, you know, basically means you can't make up your mind if you're far left Democrat or anything in between. If I were to put the word unity on the wall and say, remember this word as you're watching this speech. Did you get that vibe? Did you get that vibe at all? Because both sides do this, but it's especially bad on the left and with Democrats right now is they want to talk about equality. They want to talk about unity. They want to talk about bringing everybody together while at the same time, they are driving the wedge between these two groups even deeper. They're separating people farther from one another. So if this was his big unity pitch, I think it was a big swing and a miss. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So don't forget to go support our sponsor of today's show, that is Casey Cattle Company. Go to kccattlecompany.com That's CaseyCattleCompany.com. Use the promo code Kyle to get 15% off your order. Again, that promo code is just my first name, Kyle. That's K Y L E, for 15% off of your order at kccattlecompany.com then also don't forget to go to the Origin website, that's OriginMain.com, to get your boots. G (laughs) G's jeans, protein, energy, drink supplements, and all that use the promo code Kyle to get 10% off your order over at origin, Maine all right guys I've also got a link here to go to donate to undaunted life I've also got a link for the sign up if you plan to come and bring your kids to my speech at faith bible church in Edmond Oklahoma on September the 18th and then everything else I talked about all the clips all the news stories it is all here in the show notes so you can check it out later all right guys thanks so much for listening to the show we do appreciate it wherever you're listening to this please subscribe rate and leave us a positive five-star review if you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life that's e sorry that's i n f o Life. follow us on instagram like us on facebook and check out our website for everything else including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way just go to www.undaunted.life and as always we want to thank the band august burns red for allowing us to use their music for our content the music on this podcast is their song cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the Lion of Judah.